0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. I'm just a worker. That's how I look at myself. It's all I am. So I'll always put my hand up and say, I'll do it because if I have to eat, if I have to survive, I just do it because I have to do it. It's not like, um, I just do it. (laughs) When she was in her late 30s,
1: Frida De Gies was exhausted.
0: Yeah, it's been work, work, work since you're 13, 14. It's like, am I gonna get a break?
1: It's 2016. Frida has four kids to feed and send to school and run errands for. And a lifetime of working, running small businesses, a clothing store or two, mechanics' office. It's all catching up with her.
0: Then donuts happened.
1: I'm Father Draki, and this is Days Like These. Today, a story about finding freedom in a childhood love.
0: Food. It was awesome. It was mad. The streets smelled beautiful. garlic. (laughs)
1: Before trying her hand at different jobs, Frida's life had been all about food. From the very start, she lived and breathed the cooking
0: on the streets she walked. It was just Wogville. It was just Greeks, Italians. You know, you could walk down the street and probably pick a tomato out of someone's front yard. Like, that's what it was. But, yeah, so it was always Lebanese food. We grew up with all Lebo food. Plus it's cheap food so my mum was always on a budget but we had the best food like we would have like yeah the stewed beans with the meat which is um, we call it fusselier and a bazella which is peas and meat and rice and these are the cheapy meals but they're the best meals. And they were the best meals even though money was stretched. It was difficult because she was always working but we had an Aussie neighbour that used to look after us. And my dad was always working. So if that was the only thing, like seeing your mum struggle.
1: Frida's family weren't born with everything, sure, but they made the best of everything.
0: She seemed to make everything look amazing. And her house was just, it was red, red and gold velvet. The walls were velvet, right? In the kitchen, we had this big mural up of a waterfall like, my mum was in before you got photographic murals on your wall. My mum was doing it in, like, the 80s, right?
1: The velvet walls were one thing, but what Frida loved was
0: the food. Yeah, she cooked heaps. People would come over and she would cook a lot. But she told me that she was a shit cook when she started and she became a great cook. So, for us, was having tabule big bowls of kabule, having like the breakfast, which is there which is meat and yoghurt and garlic um, uh, and bread, having things like um, oh, the barbecues, like, you know, the shish kebabs and the chicken on the barbecue, lots of garlic, or even the grape leaves, you know, that would take, she would take three days to roll them and then she would like, you know, put the grape leaves out.
1: But it was only when Frida's parents split when she was five that Frida herself got into cooking in a big way.
0: I think because my parents were divorced and would spend a lot of time at my dad's, there wasn't much food, so I think that's where I started to become creative. Like, I would end up cooking for myself. Like, I even tell my kids now, I'm like, you know, when I was your age, you know what I was cooking? Like, I was cooking, like, roast potatoes and making great... Because there was not, no food in the house. So I would be making, roasting potatoes in the oven and then getting a grey box packet and making gravy, potato and gravy. And I would be doing like pasta and yoghurt, like that was like the go-to. And yeah, I just became creative because I was hungry. And I think it was probably around, I think I was in year seven. And my sister said to my dad, I'm going to be a chef. I said, no, I'm going to be a chef, you be something else. And I became the chef.
1: And, true to her word, Frida does go on to cook professionally, working in one of Melbourne's busiest Italian restaurants.
0: I mean, but we did everything. We made our own cakes, we made our own pies, um, you know, all our own desserts, we made them ourselves. Everything was made from scratch. I was such a loud mouth. So you would just cook and you would, yeah, you. Would, everyone would be watching you because of the speed. You're going so fast and you knew that you were on show because everyone would be watching you. Everyone went into Mario's. Kylie Minogue had been there. Every single celebrity in Australia has probably been to Mario's. You know me, I'd be singing and swearing and throwing shit. <laughs> and that was Freda.
1: She never let all
0: the high-end, bougie stuff get to her head. I'm not into all that fancy, Um, like I did fine dining for what, two years during my, you know, being a chef. And it's nice, it's pretty, but like is it worth it? Like I don't really want to go out and get a piece of steak on my plate that's, you know, the size of a matchbox. Okay, it's art, but make me full.
1: Along with working in hospitality, Frida partied in a big way. The two went hand in hand. Unlike most of her friends with strict parents, there was Frida going out to clubs two, three, four nights a week and partying it up
0: with the Lebanese boys. And this is first-generation Lebanese, right? So they all want to go out and see what's out there Um, because they've seen their parents work at Ford, slaving at Ford factory their mums are machinists and sewing for two cents a sock. And these guys are like, nah, not having it. And they're out there and um, dressed in their best clothes. All I remember is everyone in white pants for some reason. And the hair was up like it was like stiff gel or slicked back. You know, they have rocked up in their BMWs you know, some in Hawaiian shirts. Frida's dressing up too. Like the older I got, so when I got to around 17, 18, I was in really big flares and mohair jackets, my sunglasses, my hair out, and yeah. I was like, yeah, I had to stand out. I looked like the Brady Bunching, glow-in-the-dark sneakers.
1: Frida can't wait to tell the rest of her friends about her clubbing adventures.
0: I felt like I was Christopher Columbus. I would go and discover something and come back and bring it to the clan. You know what I discovered? And I would tell them my stories and then be off again. It was fun, right? A lot of fun. But
1: after a while, it starts taking a toll.
0: I think I was just burnt out. You know, because you would go from work to a nightclub or work to a party. And you would either keep your backpack on and go straight back to work the next day or go to sleep or go home and sleep for two hours or go hang out at a friend's house till it's time to go back to work. It's like, go, go, go. Yes, yeah, nuts.
1: Frida keeps going on like this for years, decades. She moves on from restaurants but is still busting her gut working, trying her hand at a string of different business ventures. But she's
0: tired. I didn't plan my life to be like this, which upsets me, because what I wanted in my life I did not get. Like, I just wanted a very simple life. Very easy, house paid off, look, raise my kids. Very, very simple. It didn't seem that much to ask. I never had the opportunity to have someone to look after you. You have to look after yourself. And everyone's like, oh, why do you do that? You're a super mum. You're super this. You're super that. And I absolutely hate hearing it because I'm not super at all. I'm just surviving.
1: While she seems fine on the outside, underneath it all, she's cracking. Life's wearing Frida down. And when she gets tired, she turns to fried food.
0: Then donuts happened.
1: One Ramadan, Freda goes to a food expo. She's left professional cooking far behind, but even while she's fasting from dawn to dusk, she wants to go and look at food. She convinces her mum, who's also fasting, to come along with her. And they see it. The holy grail
0: of American fried desserts. And then I saw this guy with a donut machine. He was just giving donuts for free. She took some donuts and put them in a container and I'm like telling her off, don't do that, that's embarrassing. So my mum pocketed every sample she could get her hands on so she can eat it when she breaks her fast. And then that night we took the donuts and we broke our fast and we cut the donuts up um, and I took a bite of the donut and I just sat on the couch and my daughter took a bite of the donut she said to me, Mum, that was the best donut I've ever had in my life. And I said, I know, it was amazing. And then that night I had a dream of making a donut. And then I started to learn how to make donuts from home. And my house just became full of bags and bags of donuts. Like the bins were full of donuts. I don't even know if I had a mixer. I think I just had this real shit mixer. And I would have a fry pan, I would have a wok on the stove with oil. And then I would have the oven on and then I would have like a pan in there with water to create humidity.
1: Frida realises that if she's serious about this newfound passion, she needs to do more than just look up online tutorials. She needs to get to the next level. Where else to go but America? The home of the donut. Things have to move at this speed if the donut makers are to meet the demand of Americans for the familiar breakfast item. For the not so humble donut is now being consumed at the almost unbelievable rate of 12 billion every year. By chance, she sees an ad on a food channel and emails someone and finds out about a three day course at a place in LA. She's in debt, she's exhausted, and it feels impossible. She does it anyway.
0: You know, I'm on this plane. I'm heading there to L.A. I had organised a car. I'm on my own. L.A. is beautiful and sunny and blue and green and perfect weather. The perfect beach weather every single day. That's L.A. Stunning. Stunning. And then I've had to go to this industrial part of LA and it was just like, it was where all the working bees of America are working, which you don't really get to see if you're a tourist. I could not actually wait to cook again for like 20 years, I haven't done it. So to go into that environment and to see the way they do real American donuts, I was like, I was so excited. So we rocked up to the factory it was the mill, so it's the flour mill. Um, and they have this test kitchen where they show you all their, they do demos of all their products and, sh- and show you their full range, massive test kitchen. And then on all the tables, they had all their ranges, like all the flour bags and all their products, rows and rows and rows of all their products. And they basically talk you through every single product and what each product does. I think I remember it was like on a stage and they had tables and tables so if you, so they could probably seat a hundred people in there to watch them cook.
1: But there aren't a hundred people there. Frida's in a small group of donut enthusiasts. There are three students and three teachers. Two of the teachers look fine, but the third one... The third one leaves Frida
0: sweating. His name's Roy, and they brought him out of retirement to teach us. He came from Arizona, but he was a baker his whole life. And he's like one of the oldest sales reps. Really tall, like close to six, like close to seven foot. Really tall, old man. And the other thing about Roy? Roy's like got his Trump hat on. Make America great again, his red Trump hat. And I was like, I'm fucked. I thought I am screwed. I just thought I was screwed.
1: Frida was standing in front of Roy in her headscarf, feeling extremely nervous. And you've got to remember, Frida had lived through 9/11. On her first trip to the U.S. almost 20 years before, she'd been there on the day of the attacks, and in the aftermath, she'd seen anti-Islamic sentiment up close.
0: If you were driving and you changed the lane without indicating, you were guaranteed to have some guy in a scream at you, fucking terrorist. Something guaranteed. You couldn't be outspoken anymore. Yeah, it was awful. That took a toll on me big time.
1: Roy. In his Trump cap, looks at his students, examining them closely. This guy's going to hate me. He's going to treat me the worst. Each student has to go with one of the three teachers and Frida's pretty sure she and Roy are not going to be
0: paired together. I thought this guy's going to just totally hate me because of his Trump hat. Roy gives the students an impromptu test. He was asking us questions. He was asking us like things like, you know, what makes cakes stay moist? And the Aussie guy's a pastry chef. He should have been answering all of them. The Aussie guy, that's one of her fellow students, but
1: he phrases, doesn't say anything. In fact, no one answers Roy's
0: questions except for Freda. Anyway, so Roy turns around and goes, oh, okay, well, I don't like any of you, so I'll take her.
1: Because Freda's been thinking about nothing else but donuts for months, she's got
0: plenty she wants to ask Roy. I said to him, how do I make these? How do I make these? How do I make these? Like there was the apple fritters. People love them, so he taught me how to make apple fritters. Bear claws, we don't have bear claws here. Um, He taught me how to make them. There's another thing called the old fashions or buttermilk bars. He taught me how to make them. Things are going well.
1: Frida's proving to these American culinary kings that she's a baking queen in her own
0: right. So on the last day, he asked me to come at, like, 5 o'clock in the morning or something, and I had to leave the hotel at 4 because it would take an hour to drive there. And I said, 5? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's early. And he said, oh, look, I think it's really important if you come. And I said, okay. I said, all right. So I got there, and I'm the only one there. None of the other students had been invited
1: because... This is not for the public. This is the factory's inner
0: sanctum. I swear I felt like I was in Willy Wonka. It was like pitch black. And there's no one there. It's like Ghost Town. You're waiting for Oompa Loompas to walk out of the, you know, walk out from under the, you know, the pallets and stuff, right? Anyway, he takes me, I go through this like maze. And I have never been through this place, this part before. So it's this maze going through factories and then through all these pallets we had walked through. Then she sees it dozens of donut
1: employees. They're not short, they're not orange, they're not singing, but they're there.
0: Yeah, it is full. A lot of old people, like I'm talking about dinosaurs, right? It's like they must eat, sleep. They've been there for their whole life.
1: They're sitting in suits
0: around a table, just staring at her. They said to me, um, what are you going to do now that you have all this knowledge? I said, well, I'm going to go back to Australia and open Australia's first ever donut bakery, like America. And Roy stands up and he goes, "Oh, well, that's good to hear He goes, you're going to be one very rich lady. And then he pats me on the back and he says, see you later. And then he walks out into the sunrise and I never saw Roy again. That was it. That was the end of Roy. My God, that guy's never going to take off that Trump hat. Yeah, he's probably still wearing it till today.
1: Frida did open up her donut shop. She's now a single mum, still working long hours, still unstoppable. I'm up
0: at four o'clock. Then I go straight to the shop. You know, get all the deliveries ready, get them all ready for the staff. So what I'm going to get you to do is, I want you to cut this donut in three layers like a Big Mac, and you're going to put um, custard at. You know, I put cream at the bottom and custard at the top and then we'll dust it with some icing sugar and then you can put a Kit Kat on it and that would be really good. Go talk to the kitchen, help out in the kitchen if I have to. Do you need help? Do you need me to help you lift it out of the bowl? I'm too strong. He's usually very grumpy, but today he's not grumpy. I don't know. He had a very good weekend with his wife. I make all the mixes because it's a secret recipe so no one knows... So I've got to make sure that they've got everything for the the donuts to be able to mix them. Okay, so we have like different flavors. So we have our standard traditional flavors, which are like homer, which is a strawberry ice donut, chocolate, glaze, cinnamon, all your basic flavors. And then we have our custard fields, where our Boston, our vanilla slices. So we can't cook apple fritters in our big fryer because it just makes a mess. So, our apple fritters are nearly ready. See, they, they don't look like traditional donuts, right? They're all chopped up and they look like they're from out of space, right? But then again, I don't believe in space, so they just look different. Then I'll leave, take my kids to school, and then I'll come back, go to work. Oh, so tired. And then the hunger broke. I've had my, my alarm rang like 10 times this morning before I even got up. It started ringing at four o'clock and I got up at like quarter to five. But not everyone's a fan of Frida's new routine. My kids say they wish that I never opened a donut shop because I hate donuts now. My kids hate it wherever I go. Oh, the donut lady, the donut lady, the donut lady. Everyone knows you, mum, you're so embarrassing.
1: But Frida's not letting
0: the fame get to her head.
1: She might be on a sugar high. But she's not glazed and confused. What? You thought we would get through this without one donut pun? Anyway, here's Frida.
0: I think I went full circle, completely. Look, I'm definitely working hard, but I have more freedom, so I can do and come and go as I please. But now, after all these years, I finally realise that that's it, that's where my life is. Just shut the hell up and live it.
1: <laughs> that was Frida Degeese. Our sound engineer was Martin Peralta. Our supervising producer was Kyla Slavin. Sophie Townsend is our wonderful executive producer. This story was produced on the lands of the Gadigal and Bidjigal people. Big thanks to comedian Jennifer Wong for introducing us to Frida and to the joy of puns more generally. Dad's thank you too, Jen. If you love Days Like These, we'd really appreciate it if you take a hot minute to review the podcast on your favourite app and just to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm not asking you to follow me home. Just follow the podcast, Days Like These, on the ABC Listen app or wherever you listen. And join us next time for a story that takes you into the world of hip-hop, dance battles, and tricky decisions about moving on from something you love. That's next time on Days Like These. I'm Fazadraki and I'll see you then.
0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music, and more. Hey,
1: Days Like These lovers. If you've been enjoying this podcast, there's another one you might like to check out. Earshot with Miyuki Yokiranta. Earshot's latest season is called Follow Me, seven confessional stories of following. You'll meet a doomsday cult leader, some diehard music fans, and a mother trying to keep her daughter sane and safe online. Find Earshot in the ABC Listen app and see how far you'd follow someone.